Well, thank you so much. I know I thanked you before we hit record, but um, I'm just so happy and excited to do this. I feel like us having a conversation is going to feel so aligned and so just on point with a lot of things that I've been pondering lately and stuff that I've been talking about on the show. And yeah, I'm just, you know, you see me in your DMs all the time. I'm obviously one of my favorite DM buddies. I'm like, oh, Bella, I like know your profile. I know your page. I'm like, I know your vibe. I know what you like. I'm like, oh, she loves the PETA episode. She loves this. Like, I just feel like there's such a genuine way that you interact with the world and that I get to feel too. And I just really appreciate it. So I was really excited to do this because I feel like I know your heart and I feel like you're very aligned to what I am or you're curious, like non-dogmatic, like non-judgmental, very open, interested, spiritually sound. And yeah, I'm pumped. Totally. Thank you. That's very kind. I um, I try to, uh, I interact with a lot of people online. I, I love it because it's just like, it's so fun. And I feel like you really, you actually like cut through a lot of the bullshit right away because you can see right away when someone vibes with you on like whatever topic or subject or the way to think about the world, it's like right there. Cause you're not going through all like the small talk phase, which is yes. awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, the internet's like a dark place, but it's also a beautiful place. Like I feel very grateful that I get to connect with people that are interested in what I'm interested in, like what I like, maybe don't, and we can have an interesting conversation. So it's like, so, you know, the the conversation around the internet is like so heavy, like people are like, it's so bad, but then there's really beautiful parts too. So you always want to call that out. Yeah. I think that's important. Like I feel it also depends honestly on how you curate like your feed and the people you, you follow and interact with because like definitely my feed like two years ago was if it was still that way, I would think that the world is literally on fire. Like I would think things are awful, but if you mm-hmm. switch it out and I find that you also like end up attracting those mm-hmm. like people and accounts into your life somehow, I'm convinced that that's a thing because this year as I've like gone much deeper into like my own, just like the work, right? Like as I work on things and become more spiritual, all these things, like I feel like I attract those people into my life that obviously weren't there when I was in college, right? Like there's gotta be something to that, I think for sure. Yeah. I mean, think about it. It's like, you'd be looking at like in sync. <laughs> I'd be like with Justin Timberlake, if I just stayed with who I, you know, was vibing with at the time. And sometimes I get sad because I'll find someone I'm attracted to, I'm interested in. And I'll be like, I'm so obsessed with them. And then two months go by. I'm like, what, who is that? You know, you just, you get what you need from someone, you learn what you need and you kind of move on. And it's actually a good thing that you're not sticking to one person or one, you know, account, because I feel like then it gets a little, like you're kind of taking too much from someone. It's good to like, just get a little variety from, from the world. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Yeah. I, um, I think it's really interesting. Like just thinking about, a, how I came into contact with Almost 30 Podcast and you and your work. And I feel like I feel that there's this, we call it kind of like this collective awakening, this like increasing conscious, consciousness, whatever that is. And I always think about like, A, I wonder if I just have, like that's turned into my echo chamber. So that's why I assume yeah. it's happening. But also if we really are kind of like increasing the number of people who have just turned inward and are just shifting paradigms, like they're just kind of breaking the matrix, whatever you would call it, how that's going to turn out and change things in the immediate future, but also like in 10 years. Because I feel like we're coming out of this phase where you have 
like woke politics, you have cancel culture, you have all these things that were so divisive and people like at each other's throats. And to me, the biggest thing when someone's like, what does it like mean to be spiritual to like awaken? And I always think it's like, you're just realizing that you as an individual actually have a lot more to do with everything happening. Mm -hmm. And it's about like no longer pointing the finger, like you're turning the onus onto yourself. So I think about the fact that I wonder if that's going to change how then people look at like politics and society and culture and the way that we previously were asking the government and these corporations to change everything and instead to be like, maybe we should be doing it. But I wonder how you kind of see that playing out and if you've seen a difference at all in sort of like the discourse or the trends happening because of that. Yeah. My favorite topics. I think the the topic of self-responsibility, which you talk about is so huge. And it's interesting because self-responsibility is the most liberating thing. It's the most beautiful thing, but it's also can be hard. You know, I even have times where I'm like, oh my God, I miss victim mentality. <laughs> it was so easy. It was so like relaxing. But when you do take control of your life and you realize that you are like a co-creator of your life with, with God or whoever you work with, it is like one of the most fun things. And that's where I think about when we talk about the simulation, it's like, I do believe that we're in a simulation of sorts, but it's a simulation that was created for us by our higher selves in collaboration with God to learn what we need to learn in our life and to essentially ascend or evolve or awaken. Um, And I'm like you, where I see everyone around me is awakening. I see these changes and shifts happening, but this is the work that I'm in. So it's I don't know if I can speak for everything, but I do know when I travel, you know, I was in Florida recently. My dad is in Florida. He's pretty sick. And I was reminded, this is the world. This is where the world is. And this is where people are at. And this is what they're doing. And so I always am given those moments of the 3d experience. If you'll put it in that way, when I need it, when I need that reminder that like, I am not living the same way that everyone in the world is. And that's okay. You know, it's great the way they're living. It's great the way that I'm living, but by our attention and focus on the awakening of the world and on like the hope and on the new earth and on the new paradigm, that's really where it needs to be. You know, it needs to be away from judgment of the old paradigm and where other people are in their journey and focused on creating the new, because that's why a lot of us are here. You know, if you're here as someone that believes you're a star seed or a wanderer or an alien or someone that's different, we really are here to create the new earth and to put in and invest our time in the new earth. In the law of one, which is a book that I really love, Ra, who is like this channeled entity, talks a lot about like our concerted attention and focus. And he says, if you all put all of your attention and focus on new earth for at least like one second at once, everything would change. But he's like, it's very unlikely that you would do that. But our attention and focus is what really makes change in the world. Um, And I think as it relates to politics and sort of that conversation, because politics and our financial system and our healthcare system and our schools is so part of the old paradigm it will probably be the last to change and will probably be the most chaotic or volatile when it does. And it's interesting when we think about that, because everyone that I know, even if they're not awakened or they're not in the same idea of spirituality or their life that I am, I think we all know that there's a problem with our politics. There's a problem with our financial institutions. There's a problem with our healthcare system. There's a problem with our schools. And when we look at all those systems and we recognize that there's problems and that there's issues, a lot of them are corrupt. A lot of them don't make sense. A lot of them aren't serving us in the way that 
we believe that they should, or we deserve them to, then we go deeper and we realize and kind of understand why, like whatever systems, people, places, or things are creating that, that's sort of where people get stuck. And we can have everyone on board and believing that these are all a certain way, but people really get stuck on like, how do we change it? Because um, it feels too sinister when you really look at it deeply, or how do we change it? Because this will cause me to have to change things in my life, et cetera. But I do think that what we can do really is focus on our own healing first, focus on our own, um, like our own vibration hygiene, our own spiritual hygiene, our own emotional hygiene, focus on the communities around us. And I think that's something that Africa Brooke was talking about uh, recently, um, where she was talking a lot about how there's this global focus that actually creates, it puts all of our energy all over the world in places where we actually cannot do anything. So if I'm thinking about the person the situation in Africa, and I'm kind of just like worried and stressed about it. What am I actually doing to help and remedy that situation? Whereas there are a lot of situations right in my neighborhood that I could put my attention and support to and actually do something about now. So there's homeless people all over the street in Los Angeles. How can I support these people that are in my direct vicinity in my community now, rather than putting like worry and attention on situations and things that actually I cannot change or make impact on besides a monetary difference. So bringing our attention more to like a community, community focus, a communal level to really, really make change. And then bringing it home, like on the self-responsibility piece on our own awakening journey piece, because as a last thing, like if this is all real, if it's fake, who knows what this experience or existence is, but this all could just be like made up for us to learn the lessons that we're supposed to. You could be having a completely different experience of life than I am. Like what I'm seeing and experiencing could be different. So focusing on ourselves is like usually the most important to heal and then we can go outward. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the piece about like, cause I, I, I have like memories of just that stage where you're focusing so much on worrying about yes. all these things happening everywhere else. And it's like built into the fact that you have access to everything through the internet at your fingertips. Yes. So it used to be like, at least for me, so normal to be like, fuck, there's this problem happening over here. Like, what am I going to do? I'm so helpless. Like, this is so depressing and awful. And then you're also, that energy is like what you're creating in your own world, which is like kind of a trip to think about is like spending all that time putting your attention on these problems that you literally cannot like put yes. any control into a, to a certain level. And also too, on that, Alan Watts talks a lot about this in his book called the book, but it's like, what makes us think as like white Anglo-Saxon Protestants people like in the West that we know everything and we know the way. And that's where it also is too, where it's like, we look at these other cultures and societies and peoples and situations and we're like, oh my gosh, that's horrifying. That's terrible. That's so bad. Whatever's going on, we need to fix it. And it's like, no, like we are the sickest culture in the West. Mm -hmm. Everyone, we are more sickness than anyone. We are more medicated than anyone else. We have more mental health issues than anyone else. Like we have enough to do over here to fix our own problems. So when we're going other places and we're thinking we can solve and fix their problems, it's like, we don't have the answers. First of all, we don't know their culture. We don't know their experience. We don't know why they're going through what they're going through. And it's like so much energy is wasted. And I think that's why the news is so toxic is because it desperates our energy all over into an unfocused place 
that keeps us in a high stress state, obviously, but also it's like not our place. It's not our place to Mm -hmm. go and think we're going to fix all these situations all over the world when we have so much to fix at home. And that seems like a little cold because I'm someone that believes very much in like the good of people and supporting people, but it's just, it's not what we think it is. We think most times that we know better and that's where it comes from rather than wanting to help. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. It actually gave me chills because I've been, I started listening to Alan Watts um, about Mm -hmm. a month ago. Someone like sent me, someone on Spotify has like been creating all these songs. Incredible. And it's been sparking a lot of just like internal thought about things like right and wrong, good and bad, like kind of our own like audacity to think that we know all the answers. And something clicked for me a couple of weeks ago because I was listening to uh, this kind of like panel discussion about brands having an impact and like their responsibility. And I realized a lot lot of people are convinced that they must be good and that they must be doing the right thing. And so just by doing the things that they feel like are right, they have to be producing good in the world. And I was like, hold on, how do you actually know that you are producing good or that the thing that you're doing is right and not wrong. Like you actually don't like in beyond like a few basic things, maybe even then, like there's so many ethical paradoxes that make us think again about even what we perceive as like, Oh, killing someone's bad, obviously. But then in the hero movie, like the hero is killing a bunch of people and suddenly it's like, okay. So that's like, something that lately I've been pondering and almost trying to admit, like, I don't actually know, like mm-hmm. what I think is right yes. is really just for me. And so yeah. I see this really big kind of issue is that people, and I think that this is like the spiritual ego thing too, that I was like, yeah. something I'm coming to terms with now is like thinking that because we've had this experience or this awakening or whatever, and it's working for us that suddenly we have to tell everybody else to do it. And this must be the answer for everyone else. And it's like, it's so not true. It's not, and it also is like against the whole idea of like trying to shake people like awake and like make them know what you know. It's like, you don't, you literally don't know because you can't really read the future in, in most situations. And it, like you just don't. And it's like a mind fuck to admit that to be like, I literally have no fucking clue if I'm yeah. right. And that's where it's like spirituality is like with religion. It's like, cause religion, we've somehow married the two where we assume that spirituality is because religion is dogma. So when we've said that this is spiritual church is spiritual, we are assuming that spirituality is then dogmatic. And then we go and try to apply the same principles to other people. And that's the spiritual ego is the last place the ego tries to hide when you're in your awakening process. So it's already had you think that you are this person, you do this thing, you have this relationship, you don't like this, you do like that, et cetera. So when you're starting to awaken to your spirituality, you're starting to lose those aspects of yourself because you're like, actually, I'm more than that. I'm understanding myself as an eternal being. And so your ego needs a place to hide. And it's usually in the spiritual ego where you're like, you need to do this to be spiritual. You have to do yoga. You have to have green juices. You have to um, wear this clothes. You have to say this thing. You have to do all of these things that are spiritual, which sometimes even gets lumped into being like 
marketing and like commercial. So then it's also, so that's bringing us back into the paradigm of something being like marketed or commercial or things like that. So the spiritual ego is something I think that happens in the awakening process. So don't hate yourself if you feel like you've done that. But I noticed that when people are starting to have their awakening, they have this like burning frantic energy of anxiousness where they're like, my, my boyfriend isn't, you know, meditating with me at night. And this is actually me speaking for myself. You know, we're not going to sound baths. We're not reading these books. We're not doing these things like, and focusing the control on how can I control other people? How can I make them do what I'm doing? How can I, you know, believe that what I'm doing is the best way and what I'm doing is the only way so that I can continue to still live in the ego. And so I think the spiritual ego is like one of the most important components. And I think Alan Watts's work is so powerful in the way that it approaches that. And it can be really disorienting, you know, when you read Alan's work or you listen to his work, I think listening's better. His like writing is crazy. It's like all over the place, but um, it can be disorienting when you're like, wait, so there isn't a right and wrong and there's no truth and there's no good way or bad way, or, you know, it's like, then what is there? Because think about how these have created structure and form for our existence. You go left, you go right. This is the way you do it. This is not the way you do it. This is who you should be. This is who you shouldn't be. This is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do. And that has created structure and form for all of our existence and all of our life. So it's so normal that we want that to feel comfort and we want that to feel, you know, as part of our experience in the 3D world. And we start to break that down. It can be really off-putting. And I went through that phase, I think, few years ago when I really was like stuck in duality, I was like, oh, I was stuck in this like loop of if this is good, then how is this bad? And like, just this always black and white thinking, always linear thinking. And not that I've ascended past that, but I think law of one work has helped a lot with that. Alan Watts has helped a lot with that. But you mentioned something earlier about, um, about brands and brands needing to like do good or, you know, do all of these things or, you know, have a voice or have an opinion. And I read a really great book called Woke Inc. It's Woke Inc. You would love it, actually. You'd really like it. And he's coming on the pod soon. But And it's about this new wave of pressuring organizations and brands to be these beings where you're like, this is what we believe as PepsiCo. Mm -hmm. You know, what is it um, in... Bo Burnham's movie inside, he said like bagel bites. What do you think about this? And it's like this weird energy we have behind making these corporations have opinions or have them be politically leaning or what have you. And really that puts more of the onus on these giant corporations where they already have so much money and power to actually like, usually they say things and they do other things. So as an example, like Victoria's Secret, they now have like a new campaign where they have these new people that are essentially going to transition the company to be more inclusive. And they've been like one of the big benefiters of actually having, you know, jails create their clothes for a long period of time. They use sweatshops, they do all of these terrible things. So now our attention is on, wow, they're being inclusive because I see a marketing campaign that makes me believe that they're being inclusive, but actually it's a marketing campaign so that it pacifies us to then not look at the other terrible things that they're actually doing behind the scenes with sweatshops, with jails, with, you know, with, um, labor from incarceration labor. And it can be really dangerous. You know, when we're putting all the power on Walmart, when we're like, Walmart, you need to stand up for this. You need to do that because these are some of, they have power for a reason. And it's often hard for us to like 
transfer the power in a way. But um, Woke Inc. is probably like my favorite book, which talks a lot about that and how we should really be mindful when we're sort of, you know, trying to like put all of our democracy and our values system on corporations and companies that are essentially out to make money. And we expect them to do anything other than that. And we're always surprised when we find out at the terrible things that they're doing behind the scenes. Right. Yeah. I, I need to get that book. It sounds, that. yeah, it sounds really cool. And I, I think it's that behavior of marketing or putting, yeah. I think marketing is a perfect word, perfect word. Cause that's what it is. But yeah. I feel like that actually trickles down into the individual level where people mm-hmm. are marketing themselves as I believe in this and I stand for that, or I'm against this but behind closed doors, they're like, they don't do anything. They don't actually yeah. like embody those things. So it's like you're creating a culture of people who are more concerned with looking right and being perceived correctly instead of actually like showing themselves as they are and not placing all of that goodness as a perception like other people if other people see me as good it must mean i'm good if people are telling me i'm doing a good job i'm worthy and it's like you have all these people walking around just like grabbing on to everything they've been told because they're like well i want to be accepted and loved which is an okay thing to want but we're doing it to such an extreme that you're like changing what people think is true then right i feel like africa brooke talks about this where it's like how do you actually know what people are thinking if everyone's pretending to like agree with certain things, right? Like people will put unpopular opinions on like their story. Am I sounding, is there a buzz or is that just me? You're great. Okay. <laughs> um, people will put on their stories, like share your unpopular opinions. And I always go through them and I feel like people always are reacting to be like the things that they say are not actually that crazy And I'm like, everyone is pretending that like their unpopular opinions are actually unpopular, but it's like, what if everyone just said those things that they think, then we'd all have a different understanding of where the collective psyche is actually at. And it's Mm -hmm. like, we're just so obsessed with pretending and looking good Mm -hmm. that we're like, we're just taking what freaking Walmart is saying or what CNN tells us because they're like the Mecca of goodness. And it's Mm -hmm. like... So and not. we just give our power away. You know, we give our power away to like Walmart or like a Victoria's Secret of these brands to like speak for us. And it's like, they will never have our best interest at heart. And I think Africa's work is so important because, you know, so much of the conversation in the past couple of years has been like, we need to have civil discourse. The world is more divided than ever. The United States is more divided than ever. But when there's actual invitation for conversation, not many people can handle it and not many people can do it. And Alan Watts has this really great quote that I like where he's like, you cannot love your enemy with hope to change them. Basically, a lot of times people have discourse or they plan to have discourse because their hope in the end is that their person that they disagree with will eventually agree with them. And that is not the way to explore these conversations to go about the world. We need to accept people as they are, even if we don't agree with anything that they're doing. And I think it's interesting when you were talking about earlier, like I was thinking a lot about um, in 2019 and 2020, I saw so many brands that were so forward about being female empowered or being women first or being all of these things 
get called out and get exposed for not treating their employees well, for being a toxic work environment, for being all these things. And when that happens, when you find someone that's in a position where they're like, I am this person, I am about inclusivity, I'm about this, I'm about this. It's usually like unintegrated shadow work a lot of times. And there's oftentimes when those things happen, it's like we are so much trying to put on this perception that we are not something that we actually are because the shadow is trying so hard to overcompensate. So I just, we've always tried just like, we're like, we are a female founded company, but we're not like girl bossy. We're not like women supporting women. Like we just are what we are. And like, Mm -hmm. we naturally support women in the work that we do and we don't need to tell anyone about it. And that's why I've always been mindful is like when people are telling you too much of who they are, you always need to watch. Like if you're telling me too much that you're like this thing or you're that thing or this thing, like, why do you need to tell people so much of who you are? You should be energetically who you are already. And it should be felt and seen no matter what. And on the unpopular opinions piece, I mean, I'm guilty of it. You know, I'm definitely someone that has opinions that I feel like I cannot share publicly. Um, And that always seems like I even say that. And there's like a little bit of a frequency there when I speak it, because it's like, people are like, oh my God, what does she think is, you know, people all of a sudden like go crazy and thinking like some of them are radical. Some of them are not. Some are just opinions that, you know, I have that maybe no one else has that I feel like would just be a little vulnerable of a share. And so I understand, you know, it does seem risky. It does seem scary. You know, we have these stories built in our heads. We have past lifetimes. We have um, experiences when we were young that lead us to be fearful to share these things. And I think that happens in addition to the amount of numbing that we all do, you know, with social media, with food, uh, with TV, with relationships, with um, drugs, whatever it is. So we have the situation where we're like, we could say something, but I could also numb, you know, I could say something, but like, what's the benefit? What's the, what's the point? And there's so much of like, what the point, what's the pointing with so much of it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that really deeply. Like for me, actually, it goes really hand in hand with this disagreement piece. Mm -hmm. And um, I go through phases of having actually caught an obsession with disagreement. I've like studied ways of like how to effectively have those conversations. And what I ended up learning early on was what you said is the point is to not actually go into the conversation with the intent to change their mind, because that's setting it up to say, A, I think that my way is better than you. And I'm not actually here to listen to you or care about you or understand you. I'm here to just like basically preach and move on. And that's a piece that I like, I think people get really thrown off because they're like, oh, I'm supposed to go into this conversation and just let this person like tell me what they think and I can't go in and like correct it. And it's like, no, because actually the opposite happens. If you go into a conversation with the intent to just understand and to just give the person the the space to speak openly, everyone's disarmed, first of all. And then in my experience, people are actually more likely to change their mind or to hear you out if you provided that space. Because again, like a lot of us go into conversations thinking that someone's going to disagree with us or lash out at us. And we associate disagreement with a bad thing instead of it actually being potentially a good thing. And so the first thing is like, if you want these conversations to go better is a, like let go of the idea that you're going to change anybody's mind. Because if you understand in your own life, what it takes to change your own mind, you'd be less like Mm -hmm. ready to do it for everybody else. And B, like 
ego wise, like what makes you think that there's nothing to learn from this person? Like they actually might have the better perspective than you. Like who knows? You don't know. Like you have to give people the chance to talk about it. And so then it's like bringing in your unpopular opinions is if we can like make it quote unquote safe to like say what we really think. And like, I think it's better to have these in real life. Like social media conversations get a little funny, but like if you can be like, okay, I'm thinking about this thing. I don't know if it's right. It's just something I thought about. I'd love to know what you think about this. Like totally open to being wrong, but like embody all those things. Right. And then be like, I think like apples are the worst invention on the planet. And then it's like, you're setting the stage that you're not here to like preach or tell someone like I am the like God that knows all, like, let me tell you my thoughts. You're like, what do you think about this thought that I have inviting them in? And like, that is so key in creating actual discourse. And then the last piece of that is like, you can talk about things without endorsing the idea. Like Mm -hmm. there's this book uh, by Buster Benson that's called the art of productive disagreement. I read that book so fast because I was so fascinated. And one wow. of the things he says, I think you'd really like it actually. It's It's been really helpful for just like daily conversations, but also even podcast wow. conversations. If like someone says something that I'm not sure like how I think about it. And he yeah. basically breaks down some really cool examples of how you can talk about an idea and not endorse it, right? Like you can sit in the, in a conversation, you can even have like an event with a panel to discuss something really extreme, but it doesn't mean that you are saying it's okay. And I think people freak out because they're like, Oh, Oh my God. What if you say that? What if you let this person who is like a radical blah, blah, blah speak? What if people agree with him? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're a taking the power away from like the individual to like filter the information. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm So it's like we've built up this idea that you can't talk about extremes or you can't talk about this taboo because like suddenly that means that you're endorsing it and you're telling everybody to do it. It's like, that's just not yeah. true. I think in the, especially in, you know, our world, like of podcasting, it's like, we have that so much where we'll have my cats present for this conversation where we'll have people on. And it's like, then people will be like, Hey, did you see that? this person you had on follows this person on Instagram. And they said this thing three years ago and all this stuff. And I'm like, Hey, literally the point of the podcast is to have conversation about things that I know about that. I don't know about that. I believe that I don't believe. So we're doing just that, you know, we're not going to have people on that. What's the point of having people on that? We just agree with all the time. And what's the point of having people on that? they have a clean and clear background and they're perfect and they've never done anything wrong. Like I'm not perfect. No one that we've had on is perfect. And it gets so dangerous when we think that way, when we're like basically making it so people can't have dialogue or conversation with people that they disagree with or people that they don't, you know, want to, I don't know, see the other side of, Mm. and I, whenever people message us and are like, Hey, did you see that this guest you had on? blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, don't care. I literally do not care. Do not send me anything about anybody we've had on the show. Like we found the information we needed to do. We needed to find to make the best decision for us to have them on the show. It's not an endorsement of who they are. It doesn't mean that we subscribe to every belief that they have. It doesn't mean that we approve of 
the photo that they took eight years ago where they were doing something considered inappropriate. It really means that for this hour of time on the show that we are a part of this conversation that we are sharing publicly. And, you know, some people could hear that like, you're like, Oh, it's like, you know, irresponsible or whatever. But I'm like, what, where do we get all these like judgments of terminologies? Like that's irresponsible. It's like, what is responsible sharing the same information that I believe to everyone else, like that doesn't feel responsible to me. doesn't feel responsible to me to only share one perspective and one ideal and never think about the other side and never think about a different situation or a different experience. And I don't want my audience to be in that situation. And if it helps them to have conversations with people of, you know, that agree with us or don't, and they could hear it and process it themselves and make the best decision for themselves and that's really the goal. Like the goal isn't for them to believe everything what, that I say, that our guest says, that Lindsay says, it's to take the information as it is and then make the best educated decision for themselves to, um, you know, to move on. But I think we are in a dangerous position when we are believing that, you know, retweets are endorsements and like sharing a post is an endorsement and all these things. It's like everything is put in this like totality world where it's like in total you're saying this person is good or you're, you know, it's just, it doesn't, life doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it like, it really comes back to just like a, that like entitlement of thinking that your view of it must be good because I feel like a good person. So if you're having someone on that, I don't like, like suddenly it's questionable and like, it's, it's also just, it's so, I think in the end it comes back to bite you in the ass because like if you're setting up a world where you don't think that this person, like we get to this place where we're like, it's dangerous to give this person a platform. And it's like, okay, I, I understand like certain very, very extremes. Like that's okay. Like I get how certain people maybe shouldn't have a Twitter account. Like that's okay. But the problem is, it's a slippery slope with mm-hmm. deplatforming people and censorship and like say, saying that a certain person isn't allowed to speak because mm-hmm. oftentimes like they're not actually that dangerous. They're just what you view as wrong. And it's like, again, why do you think that, you know, the end all be all like we don't. And it's like, as a, yeah, as a podcast I'm, of ideas is so fascinating. Cause it's like, we censor ideas, but then there are such crazy things that we share on TV Like, we're like, no, we cannot see this idea on Instagram or Twitter about even things related to happen in 2020, related to the situation of the pandemic. There were things that were censored that are now true. And so it's like, what is the line where we have movies and TV shows where people are being murdered, raped, pillaged, trafficked, drugged? all of these things. And then we turn on our phone to see an idea or a concept about something that's going on right now. And it's being censored. It's like, it doesn't make sense the way that we are like interacting with like our perceived not reality and reality, because this not reality world of TikTok, Instagram, Netflix, all this like really dark stuff that we're seeing all the time, all these murder podcasts, and then these things that are happening that aren't dark, but it's just informational seem to be way more triggering or way more, yeah, way more like censored. And it's just very weird to me. Mm. Yeah. The issue of censorship is like, it's so wild. And I, 
like censorship is one of those things that the more I like look into it and think about like the effects of it. And like, even if you just as best as you can objectively look at the things that are censored, it's almost always never actually in, it's not, it doesn't usually benefit like reality or like the truth or people like it ends up being that we're censoring things that just don't align with what we are currently agreeing what we're currently agreeing on and like Mm -hmm. god there are so many examples like i've i've done entire episodes on exposing censorship and how it's complete bullshit because it's like for me again it's robbing people of the power that they have to parse through information like Mm -hmm. There's nothing more infantilizing than telling people, no, 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 like, let us handle what you're allowed to see. Yeah. Like, don't read this. Like, it's not true. We say it's not true and we, we want yeah. to protect you. It's like, how are people supposed to build up the ability to, to, to learn and to, like, parse the information if everything that they are seeing is, is true for sure? Like, you're just outsourcing mm-hmm. the knowledge and it's like, oh, whatever they say is for sure, so I don't need to do any thinking. Like, how that's a horrible idea. And like, and I just don't understand too, like with the way of the world, I'm a huge fan of, of earth. I'm a huge fan of this existence experience. I'm grateful, but like, why are we looking at the powers that be right now? And we're like, yes, I trust you to tell me what to think and to read and to do. I'm very confused of what the break was where in 2019, 2020, we were like, yo, these systems are fucked. Like this is fucked. Like I am seeing right now very clearly that there is systematic situations and oppression and, you know, there are problems in the way that we exist in the world and there are problems with the powers that be. But yet when they start to censor, we're like, yes, you know, we're like, okay, we want you to tell us what to do. It just doesn't make sense to me. I'm not saying people are bad. I believe people are inherently good, but we can't believe that the powers that be that are running most of the money in the world and most of the corporations and most of our censorship don't want to keep that power and money and maintain what they currently have. Cause that's just like actually a normal human experience, you know? Yeah. I really don't get it. Like it's one of the things that really puzzles me is I'm like, I thought we all agreed like a couple of years ago, I thought we we're all on the same page that these big companies, the government, like these corporations literally do not care about you and Mm -hmm. like now we're like yes for sure please tell us more rules give us more things like tell us what to do and I'm like where what happened it's it's crazy because it's like I, I I don't know how to explain it like I really don't because I expected certain People like it's a weird trance thing. Like, I don't know how to, how to explain it other than like like, a spell. I think when a lot of people, and this is why, you know, Jordan Peterson, who's like very controversial, but a lot of Jordan Peterson's work is a lot of shadow related stuff. And so when you read what he talks about, he's very fascinated with very dark villainous people in history but it's sort of like unity conscious vibes, like unity consciousness vibes, like with Jesus, Jesus hung out with like a motley crew. Jesus was not hanging out with the best of the best disciples all the time. Jesus was hanging out with liars, thieves, lepers, all these people, because 
they were perceived to be outcasts. And same with Jordan. Jordan is like studying the shadow, like the darkest depths. So when you are able to identify yourself with the most evil, dark people, like even the powers that be like by saying at them, like, wow, there's these people that control most of the wealth in the world. I totally get why they want to keep power. I totally get why they want to keep wealth. Like, I don't know what they've been through where they are that way, but if we identify or see ourselves more as everyone else, or we identify or see ourselves more as, you know, people with these complex experiences and with these shadows, then we're able to see what's going on and why. But I think a lot of people haven't done any shadow work and haven't really looked at the parts of ourselves. Um, And I remember thinking about, you know, past lifetimes recently. And I was like, wow, I bet you there was a past lifetime where I was just very, very evil (laughs) and I was very dark and I was probably doing all these things. And it's humbling to think that if you've had 1200 lifetimes, if you've had tons of lifetimes, you probably were evil at one point. (laughs) You probably were a murderer. You probably did horrible things. And when we can think about that as like something that we've potentially done or an experience that we potentially have, it can normalize and humanize, not normalize in the sense of like removing a charge from it and having compassion, but it can humanize all these terrible things in people. But I think people can't understand the gravity at which people could be dark and evil and self-serving. And so it really just kind of goes over their head. They don't really see it. They don't see how they're being controlled. And it's hard to accept that almost everything in your life is like not really real. (laughs) Yeah. That idea that I'm a huge Jordan Peterson fan. He was a, he was a big part of like my, like a few years ago, I watched one of his, he has this famous interview with um, Kathy Newman. Oh yeah. But yeah, (laughs) it's, it's famous. It's so good. And I watched that and I remember being like, huh, like, why does the media hate this guy? Like, because of that, I was like, I'm going to read more into him. Like he's got to be saying something good. And that's a great approach or to even be like, why does he hate him? I want to see how I feel. Maybe you watch a bunch of his stuff and you're like, no, he sucks. But at least you were like, Hey, what's up with this? Yeah, exactly. And so what I really liked is something that I saw he would talk about is like, he of course says it so eloquently, but like this idea that you should come to terms with the fact that you're very capable of evil. Like you are very capable of hurting people. Like you have a dark side, like you can do bad things. And this was a piece of the whole right and wrong discussion that I was kind of having with myself and having with friends is like, when we are so convinced that we're good then we're like kidding ourselves because you're taking away the possibility that you are capable of bad and you need to be aware of that because then you will be much more analytical and critical of the things that you do because you're not just going to assume I'm good. So this must be the right thing to do. And like being friends with your dark side, shadow work, whatever you would call it. Like it's, it's a really interesting connection that what he's talking about is really just shadow work. Mm-hmm. is so important. And I think, again, as people are afraid to admit that they are capable of bad, you are, we all are, like we all have mm-hmm. it in us, right? Even if you think about in law of one, right? I, I just started reading, I'm like only 40 pages in and I'm in love. Um, but I feel that's actually something I wanted to ask you about is this whole negative, positive polarity mm-hmm. in these like service to self, service to other. But the interesting thing is like, there's a concept that raw doesn't, or the creator doesn't like differentiate, like he looks at them as the same thing. And I'm curious, like, 
A, I'm, I'm not sure if I like understand fully how that works. My interpretation is that that is more in terms of like balance. Like you need both in order to, like I think Alan Watts explains it. Like you know, death implies life, night mm-hmm. implies day. Like these are two things that exist because we have the other one. Like it's all just like on off is is the mm-hmm. existence of everything. So, mm-hmm. in terms of right, wrong, good, and evil, is there? kind of like what has been your learning from law of one and relating that to those concepts? Yeah. So in law of one, Ra says that the creator blinks neither at the dark or the light. And he talks about how some people enjoy picnics in the sun in the grass, um, enjoying fruits, you know, having a nice picnic during the day. And some people enjoy picnics at night, um, enjoying like anger, sadness, and pain as they're, you know, food or their fuel. And when we think about like the creator or God, it's hard to get out of the conceptualization that we have that like God is this being that God loves when we are this way, when we are good, when we are, you know, doing these certain things, when we are following these certain rules. But if the creator is the creator of all, then the creator of all has created all and all means negative, the negative path or service to um, self. And the way that I like to think about it is like, I can think about the situations and experiences in my life that have helped me to grow the most. And raw would call that a catalyst. And those experiences have mostly been dark. Those mostly have been hard times for me. You can grow through positive times, but it is like the way of the world. We have a natural inclination to grow through hard times versus growing through joy and pleasure. And there was actually an experience on earth millions of years ago that Ra talks about where humans existed on earth and we didn't have any negative polarity. We didn't have any negative or dark and we just weren't evolving and growing because all we were doing was like enjoying one another. We were loving. So there wasn't any catalyst to ascend or there wasn't any catalyst to really evolve or grow. So when I think about all those dark times that I've had in my life, I can love them and be like, wow, like, you know, when I, I don't know why this is coming up. When I got arrested, when I was in college, that was like really helped me to wake up and get on my path. Or when I had a hard breakup, you know, it really helped me to wake up and get on my path. When I've gone through these challenging things, it's been the most important part of who I am. It's been the catalyst for my growth. So we can look at these dark experiences that we have as like beautiful opportunities for us. And it is, you know, even hard for me knowing all the material of law of one and understanding unity to look at things that happen in the world. Like today I was sitting and I was like, just somewhere. And I was like, oh, I'm sick of being on earth. (laughs) I love it. I'm grateful for it. But I was just like, man, it's so hard. Sometimes, you know, you see these things that are incredibly heartbreaking and just, you know, really challenging in our experience. And we know that we deserve better. And so I like to also look into, of course, in miracles work when I'm trying to understand darkness and when I'm trying to understand like the purpose of it all. And of course, in miracles is very 5D. It's very like, I think it was written by Jesus, like very that Christ consciousness. And of course, in miracles talks and goes further than law of one and talks about how it's basically all an illusion that anything that is not of love or of God or of the creator is an essentially an illusion. And we can choose to where we put our attention and energy. So if we are the creators of our experience, we're as part of this like collective um, consciousness that is creating this world. There's a reason why the media and the dark forces want us to be involved in so much fear, anxiety, negative movies, negative music, because we're essentially creating our experience as we go. So then we can continue to create that experience to fuel that negative 
um, the negative path. And if we were to just like focus on that being an illusion, the only real thing is love, then we could move further closer to love. Um, so last thing, the concept of, you know, negative and the negative path is not something I have fully embodied yet. I understand it from like an intellectual level, because it's still hard to walk down the street and see someone who's homeless or see an animal that needs a home and be like, yeah, this is an illusion. And, you know, this is all God's being and doing, you know, it's, it's very hard, um, to actually do it in practice, but I do know that, um, the dark path and the negative polarity, the path of the negative polarity is one that exists in this third dimension. But as we ascend it, essentially we move closer and closer to love. We move closer and closer to light. So it's no longer needed. So we will get past this third dimension, which is a dimension or density that we spend the least amount of time in because it is so challenging. So I always remember from a soul level, this is one of the most challenging parts of our evolution or our ascension. So it's a, there's a good reason why it's short. There's a reason why it's hard. We just have to like continue to work through it and take the catalysts as they're shown, grow as much as we can, continue to lean on love. And then we can eventually be beyond this point. Okay. I see that. I mean, yeah, I feel like, so kind of the idea is one, I mean, I think it's pretty understandable even like without outside of even if you're not spiritual or anything Mm -hmm. like just understanding that hardships in life like make you stronger like that's a basic Mm -hmm. thing that a lot of people experience and like we be when we're grateful for them like we can learn a lot Mm -hmm. so i guess is the idea that then if we when we ascend like we would not have the the negative like Mm -hmm. clarity anymore and it would just be like love light is basically what we would become or I have trouble explaining it in words. No, I know it's hard. So, and also too, I wanted to say about the negative and positive. It's like you need negative and positive to create a charge. So without, if we just had positive, we wouldn't have the charge of electricity that we have. So we both need negative and positive, but what happens is we ascend. So right now we're in fourth density um, per law of one. So in 2012, we moved from third to fourth density. So we graduated to fourth density and in this density, it's all about love basically. And we're moving towards fifth density. Um, there are a bunch of souls that are reincarnating into bodies from fifth density that are supporting us in this evolution. And there are negatively polarized beings that exist or entities that exist in fifth and fourth, third, fifth, and fourth. But beyond fifth dimension or fifth density, from a law of one perspective, it's really hard to be negative. It's really hard to be bad because you are moving so close to light and to the creator that it is hard to like keep that feeling of hate and of self-service to self when you see so much good in the world, when you see the experience of others, when you are moving basically closer to love light. And with polarities, you have to keep your charge. So a negatively polarized being has to do actions to keep that negative charge, just like positively polarized people thinking about like a very positively polarized person or being can't think of an example, but they have to continue to serve others to keep their charge and increase their polarity. There's a lot of people that are mostly in the middle. Most people are in the middle where they're kind of like going along with life. They're not really doing much good. They're not really doing much bad. They're sort of in the middle. But when you're polarized on either side, you have to be active in your polarization and in your allegiance to either side. And God loves both sides. He loves the negative. He loves the positive. Um, But as you move up through the ascension process by 
committing to your polarity, it's much harder to stay on one side because all becomes one, all becomes love light and all becomes the creator. And there really is like, you just start to realize that in serving yourself or in serving yourself, you're still serving others because they're all one, if that makes sense. So there's service to self, which is negative service to others, which is positive. So service to self, when it continues to serve itself, it then realizes that, oh my God, in my service to myself, I'm serving others because we're all one. So then it becomes like the oneness that you reach around fifth density or in fifth and sixth. Okay. It's pretty radical. <laughs> <laughs> it's fascinating. I mean, I, I, I sort of realized that I like was coming to this idea of like oneness and unity mm-hmm. kind of through my own just spiritual path of just being really like inquiring within and I realized I was like oh then I heard other people talking about like oneness law of one I was like wow like I started to learn this and I honestly think this knowledge is like in us already and Mm -hmm. I that's why I'm I'm so like I love like I never have two younger siblings and if they ask me a question I always just ask it right back to them because I like you know sometimes it's annoying but mostly it's like what do you think like you actually know you do and the more you like use this instrument that has a heart a gut mind logic emotions all these things the more you'll actually know everything like you will learn what you need to know it's actually in you and so I feel like I've been really, I've been slowly reading Law of One because I, I find it like really intense just because I'm like visualizing how it happened. And so I can't read it at night because then I'll have really intense dreams. But um, yeah, which has been interesting. But I, yeah, it's just been really powerful because I feel like as you turn people back to themselves, which includes the shadow, the positive, the good, like everything that's in you, you learn about literally how the world works. Like I know it sounds reductionist, but I I really feel like we can start to understand things a lot better because if you know yourself, like you know other people, you know how relationships work and how when you say something, it's going to land on the other person. But if you react badly, it's just you projecting. And so like the more you do that, you have the answers in you. And so it was just a really cool experience to like, feel like I was starting to understand oneness. And then someone was like, there's a fucking book on this. I was like, whoa, that's really cool. It's so good. Yeah, it's, it is. It's because I remember before I was like, oh, oneness, love light. I was like, that's bypassing. I was like, that is bypassing. And I felt like, and there are aspects to that that can be bypassing. But then I realized that like, as we ascend, we're supposed to buy, we're supposed to move past 3d. And as you acknowledge the shadow, it's not bypassing to acknowledge and integrate and love the shadow. You know what I mean? So sometimes I think we get stuck in so much of like that type of world, but once you realize oneness, it's like, oh man, it's hard to see anything else because you're like, oh, you're the creator. I'm the creator. We're both of the creator. You know, you have to see Ross says that he's like for Ascension beyond fourth density look in the mirror, see yourself as the creator, look at others, see them as the creator, like basically seeing the creator all around us and in us. And, um, that's like acknowledging the God in all of us. Yeah. Yeah. I find that to be a really good ego check. 
too. Oh my God. Oh my <laughs> it's God. like whenever you're like, oh, I'm I'm on my path and I'm doing really well and I want other people to get here. And you're like, hold on. Yes. Everyone is, you're literally all the same. Mm-hmm. Like, it's okay. Like, you have to let people be on their path. And it's like, yeah, I think exercises to give your ego a bit of a beating up is like a solid, solid thing to do. Ramdas always says, if you want to be, or if you think you're enlightened, go spend a week with your family. I think that's the best for the ego check. Just go spend a week at home. Just talk to your parents, talk to your siblings, see what comes up. (laughs) Yeah. Every time, seriously, I like my, my sister and I um, were, I'm actually, I'm close with my whole family, my, all my siblings, but my sister and I are particularly really close. And we um, have been kind of sharing our spiritual path type of experiences together. But we always realize when we go home, we're like, fuck, dude, like yeah. we, yeah. we got still work to do. Square like it's, it's a lot. Cause it's really, you're connecting back to like literally where it all came from. Like a yeah. lot of trauma and stuff comes from family experiences from your childhood. And it's like all just a memory. I become that. 12 years old. I'm like, wow, I'm 12. I'm like disassociating. I'm like p- impatient. I'm like, it's yeah, but I, I'm working on it, but it is, it's such a humbling thing. And I think it's so important to always, cause then you're like, wow, am I this person? Am I this what? I know. Yeah. Like, am I marketing myself correctly uh-huh. or do I need am to I, fix this? Am I like as like guru spiritual, if I can't, when in the moment it's needed, apply the principles and practices and tools that I'm saying that I know. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. But then it's like, we need that lesson in order to continue mm-hmm. being like what we are, right? Like there's a reason yes. why, again, negative, positive, like you need all these things in order to propel you forward. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It all makes sense somehow. <laughs> it, all make, it all makes sense. I know. It's like, I, yeah, I always think I'm like, I think also too, ascension is like not talking. It's like just experiencing, you know, it's like, we always just like intellectualize everything. We're kind of figuring it out. And then eventually you're just like, Hmm, this is, you know, you're like, this is, I, and this is, and I am, and I'm just totally along for the ride. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, this has been beautiful and amazing. I'm, I'm really, really grateful for this Same. conversation. It was just, it was wonderful. Um, wow. I'm just, I'm like really excited. I feel like I have energy to go run a marathon, even though I don't. I know. Like I was thinking that too. I was like, wow, this time flew. I was just looked at the clock. I was like, whoa, this flew. Cause I feel like we are both expressing things that we, we want to talk about. We want to experience and we want to learn. So I'm grateful for the questions that you asked me and for the space uh, to express, I know that I'm, you know, I don't know always what I'm talking about, but I felt really good, you know, sharing with you. And this was so fun. I'm so glad. Same to you. Yeah, this was awesome. Well, hopefully one day maybe we'll do round two, but we can do it extended. My favorite are conversations that run like three hours because then you like really get into it. You're like, okay, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a long form gal. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, thank you again. Seriously, I'm I'm just so honored that uh, to have you and to speak to you. Um, yeah, just please anything for the listeners that you want them to know, anything you're launching to check out, let them know where they can find you. Yeah, just Almost 30, wherever you listen to podcasts, um, Almost 30 podcasts on Instagram. And then I'm on Instagram at it's Krista. It's ITS Krista. I think you can find everything there, but this has been so fun and I can't wait. I'll see you in the DMs. Yes, we'll be for sure. <laughs> you know it. I will always be in the DMs. We'll, yeah, we'll be DMing. Sure. <laughs>